Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Sermon Podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. One of the wonderful things about being a follower of Christ is our ability to interact with God through Jesus. Well, what about those times when we're struggling? Here's First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun. The Bible passages for today are two of the more unusual, intriguing, curious, question-provoking passages you'll find, and they will be fertile ground for discussion in your small groups this week or today, and they could be life-changing in understanding the love of God. One passage is from the Old Testament, and the other is from the New Testament, so let's take a look at the one from the Old Testament. Please stand as we honor God in this. It's Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 to 32, 10 verses, and this is what it says. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. And after he'd sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Jacob said, please, tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Interesting passage. Here's the setting. Jacob is alone. He has sent his family and all his possessions across a stream on a peninsula. Jacob was a deceiver. He was the grandson of Abraham and the son of, uh, he is the son of Isaac. In fact, his name means, quote, someone who seizes, circumvents, or usurps. Now, if your name is Jacob here um, and you're watching, no, it can also mean may God protect, which is a bit more positive, as we shall soon see. Jacob stole his brother Esau's birthright, which was a serious and big deal because it meant that he would get more of his family's wealth than his brother. Deception also followed Jacob. His father-in-law, Laban, deceived him into marrying his eldest daughter, Leah, even though Jacob wanted to marry the younger daughter, Rachel. So Jacob ended up working for another seven years to wed Rachel. Hence, he had two wives when he only wanted one. Later, Jacob deceived his father-in-law in order to get more goats and sheep from him. And then he deceived his father-in-law again when he snuck off with all of his family without saying goodbye. In today's Bible passage, commentators believe Jacob is now 100 years old. 
He could be an AARP lifetime member. Back to our story. With his family across the river, Jacob is alone. It's nighttime. And maybe he's thinking about some of the wrong he has done. Perhaps he was reviewing his life. He is actually on the run from his brother Esau, who he imagines as really angry at him for stealing his birthright decades back. He has heard reports that Esau is moving towards his family now. Worse yet, he can remember Esau saying that Esau would kill him, that's in Genesis 27, for taking his birthright and his inheritance to him. And so in Jacob's mind, Esau is hunting him down. So when Jacob gets to a place called the Ford of the Jabbok, which is a great name for a car, the Ford of the Jabbok, he sends his family ahead so he could be alone and have time to think. Then suddenly, a man comes out of the darkness, and the two of them begin to wrestle, Jacob and this mysterious man, and on and on it goes. The Bible says, they wrestled till daybreak, grappling, pushing, shoving, choking, thrusting, parrying with arms and fists. Hours and hours it goes on, up and down, thrown into the ground and around into the dirt. Torn shirts, robes, sweat. A strong opponent they have met until one finally lets the other one go. And then they grapple again. And after hours, it looks like Jacob has the upper hand when suddenly Jacob gives out a blood-curdling scream of pain because the stranger put his finger on Jacob's hip socket, which threw his hip out of joint. Jacob clings to the man like a bear hug. And the man says, let me go because it's almost daybreak. And then Jacob says what we might think to be a peculiar thing. He says, I'll let you go only if you bless me. And the man asks, what's your name? Jacob, he says. And the man says, no longer will you be called that. Your name will now be Israel. Jacob's new name, Israel, means may God prevail or God perseveres. Jacob asked the man his name. Don't know if he replied, but he blessed Jacob, and then he was gone. Okay. Now, many historians believe this mystery man is God himself, who came to earth, kind of a pre-incarnate Jesus. Now, why do they think that? Because Jacob says in our passage, he saw the face of God in that match. And he says God didn't kill him. He even called the place Peniel, which means face of God. Okay, let's stop right here before we get to the second Bible passage. What does this all mean? Have you ever felt you were wrestling with God? There may have been times, maybe just this last year, this last month, this last week, or maybe a way while back, that you felt you were wrestling with God, maybe wrestling with him, trying to pin him down for answers or for healing or direction or prayers that were answered but not in the way you wanted, maybe prayerfully kind of like, Metaphor, metaphorically pummeling his chest, asking, why, 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 why? Maybe you wanted to walk away from God. What is this passage saying? 
I think lesson number one is that God is available and accessible. The Lord doesn't mind you arguing with him, hitting him with your disappointments. He welcomes your wrestling with him. Tell him your doubts, your disappointments, your anger. He can take it all night long. To be honest, we haven't always been perfect or saint-like or obedient in all of our relationships. Like Jacob, maybe at times we deceive people or God, and God says, I can change your name so you can look forward and not always look back. So you don't have to live the old life, but a new life. How is it that the mighty God would allow a hundred-year-old Jacob to prevail against him, at least for a moment? Is he like the ancient uh, Mr. Miyagi in the movie Karate Kid who can beat younger men? (laughs) No, it's probably like how a father plays with his children. They wrestle, they seemingly, you know, he seemingly lets them pin him down, but he's actually, actually allowing them to win so that they might have joy and maybe confidence that could be built. But then you ask, Why did God put Jacob's hip out? So now he walks with a a limp. Sometimes when we wrestle with God, our egos get bruised. That's not necessarily bad. We need reminders that we cannot always be in control and that we don't always know what is best for us. We need to be humbled to realize that even with our disappointments, we need God. Knowing our weakness and limits and our failings is the beginning, actually, of a healthy lip. We can't do it all. Neither are we perfect nor have absolute wisdom. And when we really learn that deep in our hearts and souls, that can cause our old self to limp. Notice that when the wrestling ends, Jacob is clinging to God, not fighting him. He's clinging to him so tightly, a desperate bear hug. He he doesn't want to fight anymore. And often in the end of our fights with God, and I pray that we will be clinging to him, maybe it is after we have pummeled him on the chest and saying, how could you not answer my prayers the way I want them to be? You know, sometimes I wonder, uh, when I went through a divorce many years ago, if that is how I will always walk with a limp, remembering that bad, disappointing time, a time of embarrassment and restructuring myself and remembering that failure, but also knowing God saved me and later gave me Pam and my kids and a great ministry with you all. And Pam and I celebrated our 40th anniversary last year, so pure grace. But with that limp, I now have a greater empathy for others, a great compassion for those who have lost a loved one, or those who are single, or those who are going through difficult marriages, greater grace and mercy for those who go through a tough time. And maybe some of you, you're walking with a limp that somehow when something didn't work out, there was still some light, some hope, some strength, which could be used to help others. But you still have a limp from that tough time. 
Maybe it's a health issue or a lack of wealth or lack of a job. So here's lesson two. When we wrestle with God, he will bless us in the end, but maybe not in the way we think. After the limp, Jacob becomes Israel. Israel. His sons become, became the 12 tribes from which um, a nation would later be formed, bearing his new name, Israel, which still lives on today. Our limbs can remind us that we are weak, we need more strength, we need God, and that he is accessible. So talk to him, wrestle with him, throw your demands on him, for he will always offer us a future with hope. He may seem slow in answering, but he's never late. There are always blessings in the midst of unanswered prayers. As many of you know, I just came back from a European trip where we learned more about the Reformation founders, John Calvin, John Knox. We even got to enter into John Knox's um, church where he started the Reformation, which uh, then started the, the Protestant movement breaking off from the Catholic Church. Um, here I am in the spot where he used to preach. Oh, that's the previous slide. There we go. Um, a church staff person made a special exception for me and took down the rope so I could run up there and ask Rick Walkinshaw to take a quick shot of me. Uh, the weird thing is that John Calvin um, probably did not wear an apple shirt. <laughs> but here's where there can be blessings in the midst of unanswered prayer. After you have had maybe a lifetime of limps, you've learned you can always see things for which to be thankful. There are 29 of us on that trip. We are in a bus going through a very long tunnel, going from um, Liechtenstein to Seafield, Germany. And some of those tunnels, if you've ever driven there, they're like 10, 15, 20 minutes to drive through. I mean, these are way longer than the Pali Tunnel. And it seemed like we were about halfway through when suddenly alarms started off in the bus. Lights came on the dashboard, and I was sitting in the near the front row so I could see this, and they kept asking our tour guide and the bus driver what was wrong, and nine of them knew what was wrong, and we prayed that we could figure it out as we kept driving through that dark tunnel. But our prayers went unanswered. Time to wrestle with God. God, what is happening? You gotta help us, don't leave us now. Please help us solve this. Could you do it now, not later? After what seemed like an eternity of alarm buzzers going off, we made it out of the tunnel but had to quickly pull off to the side of the road. The bus was now dead. The electrical system was out. We were told that we would have to find another bus somewhere in some nearby village to pick us up. Another bus, what's the chance there would be another tour bus out in the boonies and a driver and a bus big enough to take 29 of us and our luggage to some distant hotel. All seemed bad. But amazingly, the people in our tour were resilient. They were up. They were faithful, maybe because they lived a life of limps and setbacks and trusting God in tough times. They were thankful. And you might think, thankful for what? We're stranded, and many of us had to use the bathroom. But our bus driver said the bathroom is kaput, you know, broken, out of, all, out of order, all bus up. But our tour people listed their gratitude during this tough time. They were thankful 
for the bus alarm system that alerted us that uh, there was a problem. They were thankful that the brakes did not go out. They were thankful that the bus did not stop in the tunnel. That would have been claustrophobia and carbon monoxide. They were thankful that when we finally got out, we were in the open air. They were thankful that they could see the Swiss Alps. They were thankful that a replacement bus showed up miraculously in two hours, far shorter than what we expected. We finally got to our hotel, yes, with the limp of being tired and exhausted, but that resilience and faith and a positive attitude continued. On one of our last days of the trip, we were out nearly till midnight because of the Passion of Jesus play um, in the town of Oberamaga. So I told the group, hey, look, tomorrow we're going to sleep in. You, you know, we, you're tired from 10 days on the trip. Sleep in. It was a late show. And we won't uh, leave on the bus till 10 a.m. tomorrow to head for Munich. But what happened? Around 5.30 in the morning, a hotel fire alarm went off. And we had to immediately evacuate outside in the freezing 40-degree weather, somewhere in bathrobes. What good could come out of this, you ask? Ann Walkinshaw, who was on the tour with us, told me that the one thing that was great about the fire evacuation is that she ran out in slippers with her toes sticking out, and she was so thankful for the alarm, and so now people could see her new pedicure <laughs> that was so sparkly. What a great tour. Always something to be thankful for, that resilient spirit. I'm sorry I don't have a slide of her toes. Plus, there wasn't a fire for which we were also grateful. Back to the sermon. God wants you to pray to him, plead with him, ask him, talk to him, and you can do it as much as you want. And how do I know this? It's in the Gospel of Luke, our second Bible passage for today. Hear this, Luke 18, 1 through 8. I want to ask you to stand up. Jesus told his disciples a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. And in that city, there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, grant me justice against my opponent. And for a while, he refused. But later, he said to himself, though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? This is the story of a widow at a time when widows did not have many rights or assets. This is lesson three. Ask God as much as you want, as often as you want. While our prayers should not only be about requests, but should also include thanksgiving, adoration, confession. If you're going to ask God about something, ask as much as you want. 
the widow pleaded with the judge again and again and again. And this is almost parallel to the Jacob story. Jacob was persistent in clinging to the man he wrestled with. And this widow was persistent in asking the judge to grant her justice. And through this parable, Jesus is telling us to keep asking God. Know that he is accessible and that he will always listen and he wants you to talk to him. He's not like the parrot who says to the child, I don't want to hear it anymore. That's it. Conversation ends. No, it's just the opposite with God, the loving heavenly father. He says, go ahead, ask me. Ask me again and again. There is a word we don't use very often. It is the word importunity, meaning persistence, especially to the point of annoyance. Because of the importunity of the widow, the judge granted her wish. And Jesus is saying, come to me in prayer, even if it is like the importunity of the widow with the judge. I can handle it, and if it's in your heart, just let it out. But as Shevis preached last week about the 10 lepers, there should also be seasons of thanksgiving and worship. And I would add confession, not just requests. You know, shockingly, remember in his sermon, only one out of the 10 lepers who had leprosy for their life came back to thank Jesus and worship him. That's like incredible. We are embarking on a 40-day fast that ends on the eve before Thanksgiving. And fasting helps us focus on God where thankfulness uh, can happen during tough times and confession and worship will be more possible. So please join the community in that by fasting one thing that you do often so that you're making more room for God and thank him and praise his name. In fact, don't miss the, that small but major point at the end of the parable. Jesus asks that when he returns, will he find faith on earth? It is in the context that if people are always talking to God, even to the point where it seems like badgering, even to the point where it may seem like it is an importunity, then that will be a sign of faith to God not a lack of it. Wow. It's a sign of a vibrant faith that acknowledges one needs God, for God ultimately is the one who can truly help us. He is worth following. He's worth talking to a lot all the time. This is a God who says, I won't feel badgered by your prayers. I won't feel worn down. For in the process of continual prayer, you will draw close to me. You will learn to hear my voice more clearly and experience my comfort more immediately. As I mentioned earlier, our group in Europe watched a passion play. It was the climax of our tour with um, the people, mostly from First Press. We saw the passion play that the tiny village of Oberammergau in Germany puts on once every 10 years. You see, back in 1633, the plague was raging in Europe, and the town of Oberammergau suffered much from the plague, and many died, and they prayed to God that if the dying stops, and if God would protect them, they would, st they would stage a play of the passion and death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ in thanksgiving, in worship. And God heard their many prayers, and maybe he too was being pummeled at that time by all the villagers of Oberammergau. And so now, can you believe it? Every 10 years, for the last nearly 400 years, 
the town of Oberammergau would put on that play. And then a year before the play, the men of the village would grow out their beards because only villagers could be in the play, and then they would perform it. In a 5,000-seat amphitheater uh, where um, tens of thousands of people see it during a five-month season with live camels and horses and sheep, and you see the people of Oberammergau, in a sense, walk with a limp. The limp of remembering their ancestors died in the plague. They realize their vulnerability, their morality, um, their mortality, rather, and their dependence on God. But out of those fatal ashes of disease, they did something great for God. They chose as an act of worship, thanksgiving and adoration, to tell the gospel story in a five-hour musical drama that all may know the life of Jesus Christ, who is there and our real hope of life. The play um, had several in our tour in tears in the last scenes as they realized even more graphically how much Jesus suffered and died for us. And um, uh, there may be a picture of that. And you see the gospel is this, that Jesus suffered the greatest lip, so to speak. His back would um, show the wounds of being whipped nearly 40 times, and he could barely walk after the torture and the heavy beams of the cross that he had to carry. His temple was pierced with a crown of thorns. His wrists um, showed the pain of the crucifixion, as did his side and ankles. So don't ever say in a prayer, God, you don't know my pain. Actually, he does. But do you know the pain he went through to give us life and to show us how much he loves us. But out of his limp, so to speak, he rose to save the world. I believe there are some people here in this sanctuary or online who have been wrestling with God. And I believe you are here today hoping that God might hear your prayers. And I believe God led you here today to this sanctuary or online. And I ask, like to ask you, for those who, who desire it, to make this a day that you would come forward for prayer. If you are one who needs some glimmer of hope for a certain issue, if you're one who needs healing, if you're one who just needs a touch from God, if you're one who needs prayer for any reason, then please come forward, and I and others will be here to pray with you. Online, you can check the uh, box or button for prayer. I told you, I've told you often, that whenever Pam and I travel and we go to a church, they say, anyone who wants prayer, come forward. And um, we always go forward. Um, someone, I mean, does t prayer work? Um, someone on our tour joined us as she suffered from hives. And some days into the tour, someone prayed a prayer for healing for her. And the next day, the hives were gone, and they never came back. Another came down with COVID after we returned and suffered from fever and headaches and dizziness and no appetite, and someone prayed a healing prayer for her.
and the next day it all lifted. She was healed. So no shame. We all need prayer. And the prayer team and the elders um, will join me uh, praying a short prayer for you when you come up. And Milan, um, a cacamanfri, will come up now. And as you hear this song, those of you who desire prayer, come forward. And even if you have a limp, uh, walk with that limp. For God loves to hear our prayer requests. Okay? So, um, and if some of the prayer team can join me up front or some of the elders, that would be awesome. And those of you who desire prayer, um, come on up. Um, some of you may still want prayer, and I believe the prayer team will still be available out in our prayer corner just outside the glass doors. And so, and those who are praying up front, feel free to continue um, to pray. It's great to know that God is a way maker and a miracle worker and a promise keeper and the light in the midst of our darkness. And so before I give the final blessing, again, if you want some prayer, the prayer team will be, still be in the corner outside those glass doors there. Um, those of you online, you can hit that button wanting prayer. We would love to keep praying with you if you so desire. And um, remember, two options today. One, you could drop by the espresso place, or you can go downstairs in the other wing in Honey's, which is a restaurant down below, and uh, experience a hearty soup and rice. <laughs> so um, please receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and his countenance be upon you. And may you know deep in your heart how much God loves you. And indeed, he is the way maker, the promise keeper, the one who's a light in the midst of darkness. And um, may you know the love of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, amen. God be with you all. I'll see you next week. Mike Pilavachi is preaching, so that'll be great. And uh, those online, aloha, ahui ho. See you later. Our Father in heaven is always available to hear our prayers. He's not put off by our persistent prayers. In fact, our persistence is a sign of faith in Jesus. If you want to catch up on or listen again to previous services, visit our websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. You can also find First Pres sermons on most major podcast services and on YouTube. Join First Pres for church. Come on down. We meet in person and online. Services are Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. at the Ko'olau campus, 10 a.m. at the Vine in Kaka'ako, or online through our websites. Remember, when you visit the website, check out the news page to keep up with everything that's happening at First Pres. You can also sign up for emails, listen to or watch sermons, and lots more. And as always, if there's anything First Pres can do for you, please just reach out through the website or call 808-532-1111. For Senior Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Pres, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thanks for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2022 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.